Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. What's up? I know you guys are like, uh, what is Ray doing with all of this stuff on? It's actually for the message today. It's going to make sense in a few minutes. Um, but everybody, it's, uh, it's good to see everybody. Always good to be with my Central Christian family. Yeah. And speaking of family, uh, you guys know it's just between us. This is my favorite service. It's between us. I don't say that to nobody but y'all. But um, my family is here um, to participate in our worship today. You guys know my beautiful wife and my girls. And uh, one of the best Father's Day's gifts that I got was to see my baby girl up here worshiping with the praise team. That was pretty hot. But I just want to ask... Uh, my family who drove up from Chicago to be a part of our service today. I just want to ask them to stand. Would you guys just greet them? Would you guys just greet them as they stand? It's good to see you. And just, uh, I got to do this. Uh, My mom is here, y'all. Yeah, that's my mama. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's Father's Day, you know, I've been really, really looking forward to my mom being here, worshiping with us. And uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Fathers, where you at? Are you here? Would y'all give it up for these dads? These amazing men of God. And um, as I'm working through you know, my first Father's Day without my biological father for the first time, you, many of you know my dad went on to be with Jesus January 22nd of this year. That's why I'm significantly happy that my mother is here um, to share with us today. Um, you know, I could uh, call on my father, everybody, uh, at any time, for any reason, uh, any place, and he would be there, right? Um, but I'm telling you, church, More than ever before, I have learned how to call on my heavenly father. Yeah. And uh, speaking of amazing fathers, to the greatest pastor on the planet, Pastor Dave Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Who I don't know where he went just now. He probably went to go get some juice or something. Uh, But he has been... Not only a big brother to me, but a father figure in so many ways, if you guys have known who have been with him for so many years. And so I just appreciate him so much, uh, particularly in this season of my life. Uh, If this is your first time or your first time here in a long time, Dave has us in an amazing series called 100. And uh, somebody say 100. 100. Yeah. And and, and my only issue with this series that Dave has been teaching is the way that he's been pronouncing 100. It's my only issue. I've been trying to help him. You know, I'm trying to keep him hip and young, right? Help him understand, Dave, this is not a proper English class. That's a slang term. It's 100. 
Keep it 100. The D, the first D is silent, Dave. I'm trying to help him. I'm trying to help him. And so you guys, can y'all practice with me? I need everybody to say 100. 100. See, y'all such a good class. You get it. You get it. Y'all keep praying for our pastor. He's going to get there. He's going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And so this week, everybody, um, I get the amazing privilege to talk to you in the spirit of our theme 100. I'm going to talk about the 100% father, the 100% dad we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to talk about is a passage taken out of Luke chapter 15, very famous passage, uh, where we're going to see this 100% dad in action. But this passage is more famously known for uh, what we call the prodigal son. You guys, uh, the prodigal son, you know it's a story about a son who takes his father's inheritance, wastes it, and then returns home to a loving and forgiving father. Right? And so the three points that I want to make sure you guys get and I hope you see out of this passage is, for my note takers, the patience of the father, the posture of the father, and the passion of the father. The patience, the posture, and the passion. All right? Y'all ready to go? All right. Let's hop in. So number one, the patience of the father. In Luke chapter 15, uh, Jesus opens up by sharing with this group of people, and the Bible says, Jesus told them this story. Somebody say them. Now, you may be wondering, who is the them, Pastor Ray? Well, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Uh, There were two groups of people that Jesus would have been speaking to at this time. He would have been speaking to, number one, the tax collectors and the sinners in one group. And then in the second group, he would have been speaking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, some of you may be saying, well, Ray, why did he group the Pharisees, excuse me, the, the tax collectors with the sinners? That's a great question also. Well, see, tax collectors were among the Jewish people, but they were set aside and they were literally cast off because the, the tax collectors in that day used to always hike up taxes on their own people. And what they would do is when they hiked up the taxes, they would actually keep those tax hikes for themselves. And so they were pocketing and profiting off their own people. And the people were powerless to do anything about it, and so they despised tax collectors. So they were kind of in their own group. They were considered kind of with the criminals and the sinners. And then, everybody, you had the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And the Pharisees were very, very rural and very, very ritualistic and very, very rigid in their thinking about God. And they were always very clean and in robes like this one. And they walked around kind of like this. And they were very, very performance-driven. And in their mind, if you did this, and you did this, and you did this, then you would please God, and you could reach God, right? Very, very traditional in their thinking. And if you didn't look like them, and you didn't act like them, and you didn't believe like them, then you wasn't going to heaven. And so because of their traditional thinking, they had a real problem with Jesus because Jesus was on the other side. He was very, very untraditional, right? And so the Pharisees were over here, and they were like, how are you supposed to be this man of God? You know, that's how they say God, God, with a T, God, right? Teaching and preaching God's word, and you with them people those sinners, those notorious criminals, right? And so they had a real issue with Jesus. And so Jesus, in this passage in Luke chapter 15, was basically answering the Pharisees' question about why he would hang out with such a group of people. 
And so he starts off in Luke chapter 15 at the top of the verse talking about the lost sheep. And then he continues talking about the lost uh, coin. And then he finishes with the lost or prodigal son. Somebody say prodigal. For my note takers, that word prodigal, everybody, uh, literally means uh, wastefully or recklessly extravagant. That word prodigal literally means a person who spends or has spent his or her money or substance with wasteful extravagance. That word prodigal literally means to be spendthrift. One more definition of that word prodigal, everybody, literally means to be lost. I must say lost, which puts that story right appropriately in the passage. Lost sheep. Lost coin, lost son. Are you seeing that? All right. And so as Jesus is answering this question, uh, he starts off with the parable of the lost son, and he says this. He says, uh, a man had two sons. Verse 12. The youngest son told his father, watch this, I want my share. Somebody say my share. Of your estate. Somebody say your estate. Now. Somebody say now. Woo. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I got a real serious question with this passage, all right? First of all, if my Hispanic brothers was in here, they'd be like, oh, this brother has some big cojones. I mean, <laughs> what kind of statement is this this guy's making, right? right? I mean, can you see the entitlement of this son? Can you see the gumption that this son has? I mean, how do you do that? How do you demand a share of somebody else's stuff? Is that, even, is, is that an oxymoron? Is that even possible? How do you do that? I mean, I, I'd be like me saying, hey, bro, I want my share of your cell phone. How are we going? What, we sharing minutes? Why, why are we doing that? Right? It don't make any sense to me, right? And so we can see the, the entitlement of this young son. I know we don't have any young people in here with entitlement issues, but yeah, I know some folk like that. Yeah, yeah, I know some folk like that, right? But I also want you to see, everybody, the, the weight and the gravity of this statement that this son is making. Look at it again. He says, he says, I want, what? I want my share of your statement. When? Watch this. Before you die. Now, when he makes this statement, the original listeners that Jesus was telling this parable to would have been shocked. They'd be like, oh my God, he said that? Because what they would have realized, everybody, is that in that day, um, if a father had two sons and the father passed away, then the, the, then the share of the estate would have been divided two-thirds to the older son, one-third to the younger son, because the older child always got a double portion of the inheritance. But everybody, that only happened once the, the father died. And so the fact that this son was making this statement to this father is the son basically saying to the father, I wish you were dead. They would have been appalled by that statement. Ooh, I'm sorry. I just got to chill because, see, I am a son, and I also have a son, and my father is gone, but even though he's gone, I'm still scared of him. <laughs> yeah. And my dad, 6'2", 245 when he was healthy, and ooh, if I even thought about saying something like that, to my dad, oh my God. Hey, dad, I want my boom. <laughs> He'd have been like, oh, son, I'm sorry. I know you didn't finish, but I thought you said, I, I thought you was going to say, I want my butt whooped. And I didn't want you to have to wait for that. So I just figured I'd just give that to you. <laughs> right? 
I'm just talking about my daddy. I'm just talking about my daddy, right? And if my son had to say something like that to me, he's 21. I wish he was here. He at work. But if he would have said something like that to me, if he would say something like that to me, I wouldn't react like my father would react. I'd let him actually make the statement. Yeah. I would, I would, I would. Hey, Dad, I want my share of your house, your money, your cars now before you die. What? And if he had said that to me, I, I, I would let him say it. B, I, I, I look at him. And then I say, hold on for a minute, son. Uh, now, son, I'm sorry. What was you saying? There was something going on in my head. I couldn't quite make that out. Give him an opportunity to, you know, retract some stuff. Just me and Pastor Dave would have did it. Nine o'clock, they clapped for that. That's okay. I, I understand. I understand. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Y'all super saved in this group. Yeah, 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 yeah. What am I saying? I want you to see this younger son. Everybody, and I hope you see it. The younger son, watch this, wanted the father's things, but he didn't want the father. Are you seeing this? Yeah, the younger son, everybody, he wanted all the rights, the privileges, the wealth, the prestige that comes with being connected and associated with the father, but he didn't want the father. He basically says to the father, I wish you were dead. Literally, spit in his face. And if the original listeners, everybody, were shocked by the statement of this younger son, they would have been even more shocked by the response of the 100% father. Look, look at what, how the father responds to this request. Second part of verse 12 says, so his father agreed to have his wealth, another version of the Bible says property, divided between his sons. And church, uh, I just need you to see the patience at work here. I need you to see the patience at work. First of all, how many of you have ever been in a situation where when a, when a significant sacrificial request was made to you and you already could foresee how this request was going to end up? And it was going to end up with you on the short end of the stick. Parents of teenage children, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like, uh, yo, yo, one more time. Yeah, yeah. You, you got a teenager? Oh, my goodness. It'd be like your teenage child walking up to you and be like, and you just bought a new car. And they say, Dad, can I, can, I, can, I, can I get the new car to take my date out? And Dad, you don't understand. I know I, know I just got my driver's license. I'm only 16. But, but, but you don't understand. I, I just met this person, and they are amazing. I'm in love. I think they the one. 16 years old. Still wet behind the ears, breath smelling like Similac, and you in love? No. Just got your driver's license. You already know how this thing is going to turn out, right? But because you've been listening to Pastor Dave, he's been talking about love and grace and mercy. For whatever reason, you give in, 
and you give over the keys. And then three hours later, when they ask you to come out in the front and your windshield is busted in and, and the front end is dented in and your front headlight is hanging over, they say to you, see, Dad, listen, it wasn't even my fault. See, what had happened was, <laughs> and you already saw this coming, right? What's the point I'm making, everybody? This father knew who this younger son was. I mean, he'd been with him every single day of his life. He understood everything there was to know about this son's character. He knew all about his strengths, but he also knew his weaknesses. He knew his areas of gifting, but he also knew areas where he lacked. He, oh, he understood his overall temperament. And watch this, and knowing full well what the end result was going to be of this transaction, he graciously agrees to grant this son's disrespectful, unloving, insensitive, and rebellious request. Can y'all see this patience? Can y'all see this loving father? And you say, Ray, you, all, you use some awful strong language in regarding this son, but I want you to see the weight of this again. The Bible says that this father, he, he, he agreed to divide his wealth. Other versions of the Bible says property with the son. Somebody say property. That word property in the Greek, everybody, is the word bios. It's the word bios. It's where we get our word biology, which means the study of life. Right? This word bios, everybody, this word literally means uh, the course of life or that by which life is sustained. And so I want you to see, everybody, in this passage, what the son is actually asking of the father is literally to divide his life between him and the father. And you say, well, Ray, why does the passage say that? Well, everybody, you need to know uh, that back in the day, your wealth was your land. And so in order for the father uh, to provide this request for the son, he literally had to sell a portion of his land, a significant portion of his land, in order to give the wealth to his son. Now you're saying, well, why is that significant? Well, you do understand, church, that in the Bible days, your land was a great sense of your identity. You remember back in the Old Testament when God approached uh, Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your father's house and I want you to go to a... Land that I'm going to show you. He says to Moses, hey, Moses, I want you to deliver my people from Egyptian bondage. I want you to take my people to the promised land. land. Are y'all seeing this? And so land in the Bible was extremely, extremely significant. It's where people really got their identity from. And so watch this. If you sold or lost your land, you really lost yourself. And if you lost a portion of your land, you lost some of your standing in the community. And so what this son was asking of this father was to literally tear his life apart, to tear his standing in the community apart, to literally tear himself apart. And church, the father agrees. He divided his land, one-third to the younger son, two-thirds for himself. And church... I'm wondering, can you see now the patience of this 100% father in the story, but also the patience of the 100% father that we have, who will allow us to go our own way, who will allow us to do our own thing, who will allow us to make our own decisions, even though he already knows what the outcome is going to be and why? Because our heavenly father, everybody, is not a God who wants us loving and living for him because we're forced to. He wants us loving and living for him because we long to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so 
I want you to see, number one, the patience of the 100% father. But I also want you to see the posture of the 100% father. Somebody say posture. posture. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, the Bible says, and, and, and for those of you who maybe are new and for the first time or even listening online and you've never heard this story before, you're probably saying, Pastor Ray, yeah, I already see where this story is going to end up. And you'd be absolutely right. Yeah. And so the son, the scripture's on the wall. Uh, he takes uh, the father's wealth. He goes to a distant land and wastes the father's money, the Bible says. And the Bible says that a, a famine hits the land and, and the young son begins to starve. To the point to where there wasn't any work or any resource around where he can earn money. And so he ends up talking a farmer into allowing him to work on his farm feeding pigs. Which is very significant and would have been detestable to a young Jewish nobleman because they couldn't stand to be in the sight of pigs, let alone touch one. And so this also speaks to the desperation of his situation. And the Bible says that even the pods he was feeding the pigs began to look good to him. All right. What happened to this Jewish nobleman is what you guessed and what the father already knew. I like to say it like this. Uh, the young man didn't check himself, so he wrecked himself. Yeah, yeah. He was broke, busted, and disgusted, toe up from the flow up, and end up being uh, backside, face down in the pigsty. And it's amazing, everybody, uh, when you're flat on your back, sometimes you don't have a choice but to look up. Yeah. This is where... The young man found himself, and he comes up with a plan. He comes to his senses. And in verse 17, the Bible says that when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, even at home, the hired servants, somebody say hired servants, have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father. Somebody say home. Now, what's deep about what the son is saying here is, you guys, you do realize that home is more than where you sleep. But home is your true place of peace and true rest. Yeah. Home is not just a residence, but home is a relationship. Yeah. Home is where you belong, where you're accepted. And this young son says, yeah, I'm going home. That's the first part of the plan. But the second part of the plan is to say to the father, Father, I've sinned both against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Somebody say hired servant. Now, everybody, you need to understand that a hired servant, this wasn't his request to be a slave. There's a difference between being a slave and a hired servant. See, a slave worked on the property. They lived on the property, and so they were provided for. They didn't have to worry about paying bills. They didn't have to worry about where their next meal was going to be. They were provided for. But a hired servant did not have that privilege. They actually had to provide for themselves. And so they lived in a neighboring town, and they walked on and worked the property every single day, and they were paid a wage. And so what this son was saying is, I don't even want to be connected to the house. I don't deserve that. Hey, I, I want to make money so that I can pay you back. It's going to make sense in a minute. Yeah. He, 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 the son is saying, Dad, Dad, I screwed up, and, and if you take me back, I'm going to pay you back. Okay, okay, you're almost getting it. You're almost getting it. Yeah, see, 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 watch this. He realized what he did. 
how he turned his back on the father, how he disrespected the father, how he rebelled against the father, how he was disobedient against the father, how he literally spat in the father's face. And he also understood that in that culture, you don't just make up for that by a simple apology. There had to be some restitution. And so the son, realizing that and realizing his actions, his plan is basically to say, Daddy, I don't want to be reinstated as your son. I don't want the status of sonship. I don't deserve that. Uh, uh, um, I'm not worthy of that. I want to earn my way back. I want to pay you back. Let me be a hired guy. And so the son goes home. And watch this, everybody. I want you to see the posture of the father. And the Bible says, as he returned home, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now, notice the posture of the 100% dad. Now, uh, one more time, uh, parents of teenage children or young adults, okay, y'all going y'all gonna to attest to this. Now, if you had a child that disrespected you in your house, eating your food, drinking your Kool-Aid, do y'all drink Kool-Aid in Beloit? I was just curious. I was just curious. Yeah, yeah. Drinking your Kool-Aid, sleeping under your roof, wearing your clothes. Y'all got kids that wear y'all, y'all clothes too? In your shoes, borrowing your purses, your dresses. I'm just looking at my 19-year-old, 18-year-old over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. I love you, baby. I love you. Yes, yes, right? Not mine, her mama's. Yes, yes. Um, you know, all of that stuff. Watch this. Um, put the financial... Uh, stability of your family in jeopardy and literally walks out at the spitting in your face. And then you see them dragging a raggedy, I mean, dragging themselves back to the house, up your porch. What would your posture be if you saw something like, see that man, he got his arms folded right there. You're like, "Uh uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Told you so. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and your posture would probably be like, yeah, yeah, this better be good. You better come in here like Robert De Niro trying to win the Academy Award. I better feel it. I better feel it. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I want you to notice the posture of the 100% father, everybody. His posture wasn't like this. His posture was like this. Because watch this. Look at it. He says, he says, why he was still a long way off. Somebody say a long way off. off. The Bible says the father saw him coming. Now watch this. The only way that the father could have seen the son coming, not walking off the porch. The Bible said he was a what? A long way off. Was that he had to be looking for him. Oh, come on, somebody. Right? Right? And I just want to make this statement to say right here, church, we don't have a God who thrills and is happy about you going through suffering. Yeah. Whether it is self-imposed or whether it is something that God is just allowing to happen, uh, he's not excited about you struggling. And he is not the God that's sitting there like, hmm, yep, told you so. What the heck was you thinking? Right? You should have listened to Pastor Dave. He's been telling you every week. You got just what you, right? He's not that God. 
That's not who he is. Can you see the posture of the 100% father? That posture, the, the moment that son left, the next day, that morning, that son, that father was on his lattice, on his porch, saying, Father, will my son come home today? Every noonday, looking for him, Father, please keep my son safe until he comes to himself and comes home. Every evening, on the porch with the stars out in the sky, he's saying, Father, you said in your word that if I train up a child in the way that it will go when it, old, when it gets old, it won't depart from it. Father, please bring my son home today. And day after week, after month, after year, we don't know how long the son was gone. The posture of the 100% father was hoping, looking, pleading, and praying that the son would ultimately come home. And everybody, can I say to you, we serve a God who has enough patience to allow us to chase after the things of this world so that we will realize that it's not a sin to have stuff. But if we don't have the Savior along with the stuff, then all we have is a whole bunch of things in our life that will never totally fill us or satisfy us. Yeah. So we have a God who has patience, but we also have a God who has the posture, not of resentment, that we've turned our back and gone our own way, but a God who has the posture of hope that after we've been bruised and battered and broken by life, trying to do things our own way, that we will eventually turn back and come home before it's too late. That's the patience and that's the posture. But finally, I want you to see the passion of the Father. Somebody say passion. Verse 20, you need to see this. He says, filled with love and what? Where you at, Shannon? Filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. Now, you need to hold on for a minute and understand. Noble Jewish men didn't run. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Women ran. Children ran. Noah's Jewish men, they didn't run. They strolled. They paid people to run. Hey, fetch that. Hey, run, handle that. Right? Because of who they were. That culture, they were too coof to run. Because they had on long robes like this one. And they had sandals like these. And if a Jewish man had to run, he would literally have to raise up his skirt and show his legs. And you just didn't do that. <laughs> didn't do that. Right? But when this father, who had been longing and hoping and wishing and praying for his son to return home, isn't he handsome? Look at him with the spotlight on him. There you go. Turn, turn around and look at him. There he is. Yeah. Can you see him? And he sees him from a long way off. Yeah. The Bible says that he lost all of his inhibitions and he saw something that looked like his boy who had been beaten and battered by life, the Bible said he was filled with love and compassion. And that dude lost it, raised up his skirt, and was like, my baby, my baby's home. Hey, boy, hey, man, how you doing? It's good to see you. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Thank you, Anthony. The Bible says he ran to him. 
And I say that, I'm making the camera people work overtime today. <laughs> I say that to say to somebody in this room today, hey, listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. The Bible says that you're not any place where the loving father don't know who you are and don't still know your name. You haven't been any place where the loving father can't find you. And you haven't done anything that our loving father won't and will not and cannot forgive you for. As a matter of fact, the passion of the 100% father isn't waiting on you to run back to him. But he is running after you, saying, I miss you, buddy. I've been praying for you, boy. How you doing? It's good to see you. Hey, how you doing, man? I love you. I've been waiting on you. Hey, brother, I miss you. I miss you. I love you. I'm hungry for you. Come on home. 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 Welcome home. Welcome home. Hallelujah. Yeah. What you doing up here? Hanging out with you. Okay. You can go home. You can go home. Love you. Love you. Yeah. 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 I love it. And it's so great because this father, watch this, he wouldn't even let the son roll out his restitution plan. The son is saying, Daddy, I want to pay you back. And the father says, Nah, bruh, you're not going to pay me back. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back. Yeah, I'm going to bring you back with full rights, full privileges. He throws a party, put a robe on him, sandals on his feet, ring on his finger. My son was lost, and now he is found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and listen, this 100% father, his passion is amazing because when the son, the older son, hears that the younger son comes home, he's ticked off and won't come into the party. And so not only did the father have to run after the younger son, but he had to run after the older son because the older son wouldn't come in. And he says in verse 32, he says, son, listen, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was, but now he is. Yeah. The passion of this 100% dad, everybody, is incredible. Watch this. One who didn't know wrong, but he himself was wrong. One who committed no offense, but he who himself was offended. And everybody, when we look at this story, Jesus' purpose in telling this story was not just for us to compare and contrast the sons, but for us to see ourselves in this story, right? Who do you most resemble in this season of your life? He wants us to recognize, everybody, our need for something that we ourselves cannot fix and cannot feel. He wants us to come home. And you say, well, how do you come home, Pastor Ray? Wonderful question. Glad you asked. I'm going to tell you and finish this thing up. Here it is. Number, here's the final thing. We need the initiating love of a passionate God. We need the initiating love. That means he initiates that love. We need that in order to come to Jesus. And, and when we talk about the passion of the 100% dad, we see it on full display here in this story how he goes out to both sons in order to bring them in. The younger son, he kisses him 
to bring him home. The younger son, the older son, he pleads with him to bring him home. But he goes out to both. And I don't know. Here it is, everybody. You will never seek God unless he first seeks you. Yeah. But I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you're an older brother or you're a younger brother, but aren't you glad, everybody, today we got a 100% dad that is patient enough to love us when we go our own way and do our own thing, whose posture doesn't change when we walk away from him, but who remains and hopes and looks and longs for us not just to find his hand, but to find his heart, and whose passion for us compels him to tear his life apart, to tear his body apart, to give up everything when he died on the cross for our sin, but how he continuously, amazingly, relentlessly runs after you and me to bring us home. Yeah, and I don't know about you today, but I wonder if there's anybody here who's grateful for the patient, the passion, and the, and the posture of our 100% Father. If that's you in here today, I want you to give him a bit praise in the house. Hallelujah. Yeah. He's an amazing father. He's a good father. He's our father. And I don't know who you may be today. Maybe you're here and you're saying, that youngest son is me. I've been trying to do things my own way for way too long. Toe up from the floor up, face down. All I can do is look up, Ray. I need to come home. Maybe you're the oldest son. You've kind of been the guy who's done everything right. You know, you're in church, you do your thing, and you got a lot of people fooled, you know. Maybe you were like me growing up. You were in church but not in Christ. You had religion, you know, all the right things to say, when to say it and all that, but you didn't have a relationship. There was no connection. And you like, man, I'm that guy. I I need to come home too. Can I say to you today, you got a 100% father who would love to bring you home. If that's you, we want to invite you to come. We're here. We'll accept you. We'll bring you in. We'll baptize you today if you want to. But most importantly, we want you to come home. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving. Lord, that your patience is unbelievable. Your posture is never changing. Your passion is immeasurable, God. The lengths and the width and the depth of your love for each and every one of us um, is absolutely unbelievable. Thank you. And my prayer is that, God, somebody in this house today who doesn't know you or maybe somebody listening online who needs to be connected with you that's going through all types of stuff will stop what they're doing and turn coming home. And we know, according to the text, God, All we got to do is turn around and you'll come running to us because it's you initiating your love that brings us home. Father, I just pray that we are open to receive it. Father, change our life from the inside out that we would never be the same again, having encountered you in a real and personal way. This is my prayer in the name of Jesus. We pray. Let every heart say, Amen. Amen. 
Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.